right, I am so excited for you all to listen to this episode of Forward Thinking Founders. Before we get started, I just wanted to let you know that we are officially starting an email list as we have some big plans for the podcast and we'll be telling people on the email list first and probably only the people on the email list. So feel free to sign up and get on the email list at f20r.com. That's F as in Frank, two zero, R as in red.com. And I'll see you over there. All right, how is it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we're talking to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today, I am very excited to be talking to John Shea, who is the CEO and co-founder of Cascade. John, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. Great to be here. Yeah, great to have you on. Let's just get right into it. For people that don't know, can you explain what Cascade is? Yeah, sure. So um, we built this really crazy tool and it, it's a combination of many things in one. But ultimately, the vision has been to create a unified workspace for remote and distributed teams. And with Cascade, we made it very simple for teams to chat and video conference with one another, manage tasks and projects, but also write product specs and documents, right? All with one simple and elegant tool. And I think one part that's really beautiful about Taskade is that it's not only designed for real-time collaboration, but it's also asynchronous. So you can work across with different teams on different time zones. And the app right now today is available on almost every platform imaginable from web to desktop to iOS and Android to even like having a Firefox and Chrome extension. <laughs> Holy smokes. We'll have to go into that in a second <laughs> after we dive into some of the features and whatnot, but oh wow, every platform. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. So, so let's stay on the product for, for now. So can you go into some of the kind of some, I know you have a tons of features cause I've used Cascade, but can you go into some of your, your favorite features and uh, um, the ways that teams can get benefit out of them on Taskade? Yeah, sure. So I think the, the key components of Taskade is the fact that you have the task management portion and then you also have the communication aspect of it. Um, the projects on Taskade are incredibly unique because it's almost like a piece of origami. You can create a task list and then you can transform it into a mind map with the same data structure. And then one of your teammates could collaborate with you on the same project, but in a Kanban view and then he or she can switch it back into a task list view. Um, when we started this idea, the idea was to help like visual thinkers and people that are like me that are just crazy and cannot focus and concentrate and have like a scattered brain to be able to like plan, organize, and, and really focus on the big picture, but also really be able to drill down and think small and write things down and break it into tiny actionable steps. Um, so Taskade really is like an outlining tool at its core. Um, that is incredibly flexible, really real time with a chat and communication element attached to it. That's like basically a chat room next to your, uh, next to your project. All right. So we're going to role play slightly because I am not the most, or I, I, I'm someone that definitely needs a tool in this, in this category of organization and communication. And I, I'm kind of one of those people that scatterbrain a little bit. I, you know, I have some papers over there. I have some stuff on Google docs, you know, whatever. So I am curious for, for people like what you just mentioned that, that have a scatterbrain, let's say they're founders, you know, cause I'm a founder. Mm -hmm. how, 
what would be your your advice or tips on what to do on Taskade first, what to add in first, how to, how to get the most out of it in the beginning, then how to ramp up. I'm curious if you were just giving me advice as a potential user. Yeah, sure. So I think one thing that we really encourage new users and new, new teams to do is that you start off with one of our existing templates, right? And then from there on, really try to get to learn some of the basic keyboard shortcuts like tab and shift tab to outdent and indent and be able to collapse and uncollapse different sections within your document, within your task list. And of course, playing around with the different views and elements. Um, it might sound incredibly complicated, but, but in reality, we really try our best to keep this product as simple and as elegant as possible because we understand having built and designed products for consumers in the past that really the second you make things even you know, two or three clicks away, no one will ever discover it. Um, but since day one, I think for us, Taskade has been designed for remote and distributed teams that are looking to really just get things done and get work done from ideation all the way to like completion. So being able to brainstorm, outline, and then to start tracking the task, assigning the task, um, and syncing that with your calendar, and then going back to the same exact app to ping your teammates to get an update and to ticking that box off and checking it off um, and finishing it. And I think today you see teams doing this across multiple tools. And we ourselves um, have always been hacking together many different tools in order to get this done. And that's where kind of the original idea came about, co combining collaboration with communication around tasks and notes and, and getting work done. So you probably don't like when people make comparisons like this, but just for like understanding, mm -hmm. I am going to make it. So are you, would you say you're kind of like a Slack plus a Asana combined with the same backend and flow that communicate with each other seamlessly? You're, is that, could you describe it like that? Yeah, sure. I think in many ways, you know, we have a lot of teams coming to Taskade from products like Asana, products like Trello. Um, and then they were uh, kind of, you know, using Taskade for communication in the very beginning, but not to the sense uh, that is hashtag channel based, right? Like Slack, where it gets a lot more focused around, I think, group chat or team discussions. With Taskade, conversation and discussion is always like within context and much more focused around the project you're working on. And that was part of our philosophy where, okay, if you want to chat um, and you want to socialize and you want to have a sense of uh, community and belonging, you can do that with many different group chat tools. But for us, you can actually video conference on the project itself. You can also reference you know, the task that you're working on on the project as you're chatting. Um, but it's not about chit chat. And yeah, in many ways, our users find it better um, than, than having a group chat tool because of the way that we've designed um, communication on Taskade. And it will continue to really you know, improve that as we go forward. In terms of the Asana comparison, um, I mean, I think it's a beautiful product. I think that the, the reality is the company has been around for 10 years. They have a lot of technical debt within their product, but it, it is incredibly powerful. And I think for teams like ourselves and nimble teams that are technical as well as product driven, you know, you really do not need 90% of the features that's there. And, and to, to task Kate, it's sometimes like the original mindset was maybe it is better to just, you know, start anew and start with a fresh plate and come with a new product idea built on the modern stack um, with writing in mind first and foremost, not just like adding one task, assigning at a time and really giving users that like natural feeling of pen and paper um, 
for tasks and, and, and communication and collaboration. That, that's kind of the original thesis. But, but yeah, to your point, I think Asana and Slack are the, the bigger or the biggest, right? Some of the biggest players in this space right now. Well, I think what's interesting is that they, I mean, they are big players. There's tons of big players. It's like a big space, giant market, lots of players. But you're mm-hmm. tackling the, the more than one area of it, which I think is interesting. And in order to do that, it sounds like you've taken this strategy of being everywhere. What I mean by that is I'm on your website right now and it says download our apps on iOS, Android, Mac, Windows, Chrome, and Firefox. I'm, I'm curious how, I don't even know what to ask. How long did it take to, to build out all of these? And more importantly, the, the better question is why did you start um, with all of them, or did you not? And that's just recently. I'm curious to hear ethos around it, building there on all the platforms. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think since day one, it, it was incredibly like important for us to create a tool that's scalable and accessible across every platform because we are designing for teams that are distributed, for teams that might be collaborating with clients, right? And you might be on iOS, it might be on Android. You might be someone that's sitting in the office all day. I might be someone that is traveling a lot. Um, and with Cascade, since day one, it, it was part of our like foundation when we were designing the product specs, the technical specs. And luckily, there is technology today that allows us to really scale across platforms. And first and foremost, we are web-based, right? But then we are able to create a web-based product natively for every platform because of technologies like React, React Native, and so on and so forth. Um, but yeah, it, it is something that is incredibly hard. And most people, you know, when talking to us early on said, no way you guys are going to freaking do this. Um, and we were able to really pull this together within a matter of a year and a half or so uh, with a very small team. But, but even in the very beginning, we bootstrapped the company for, I would say, almost like six, seven, eight months. Um, before we even like had a single check of or interest from angel investors, right? Um, I want to get into an area that we don't talk about a lot on the podcast, which is like operating the team and managing the team and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, even if the team is like you and a couple other people, so let's let's talk about this. So in the last year and a half, as you built out all of these, how big uh, um, was your team? And just for context, how big is, is your team now? Has it changed or are you still staying super lean? Yeah, sure. So we started off uh, with three co-founders, uh, Stan, Dion, and myself. Um, and then as we started building this product out, we scaled to five people total. And today we are nine total. Um, the team has been fully distributed since day one. Um, Stan is based in Singapore. Sheila, our first engineering hire, she's based in Philippines. Uh, Ellis is based in Malaysia. Uh, and then most recently we added, you know, even more members to the team that are spread across. So for us, we are dogfooding our own product. And really in terms of operations, in terms of really understanding the, the aspect of remote work and distributed teams, um, we don't even think about it in the sense of our customers because many people tell me remote collaboration to them could be the fact that they're working across the building uh, across the street or on a different floor because they don't have time to book an office, right? Or meeting room. But for us, really, it's, it's across different time zones and figure out how to best op- optimize for a time that you do have face-to-face with each other for real time. And then I think one philosophy that, that I really do believe in is the fact that real time sometimes, but asynchronous collaboration, right? Most of the time. Um, 
and that has worked really well for us. And in addition, I think one thing that really helps is the fact that Stan, Dion, and I, we are all gamers, right? Dion and I actually met online playing StarCraft when we were middle school, then found out we were neighbors in Queens, and that's how we started working together. And Stan is a huge Dota fan, Dota 2 fan. And I think for us, we're like, okay, games have already figured this concept out in terms of multiplayer, in terms of how to create this sense of community and to scale. And we wanted to bring a lot of those elements um, into, I guess, the workplace, uh, into task management, into getting things done. Yeah. I want to deviate a little bit and go down that rabbit hole slightly. I've been thinking uh, the rabbit hole of games. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm interested to hear what do you see going on in, in well actually sorry before i ask any of that do you st- are you paying attention at all to the gaming industry and esports or, or, or any of that or are you pretty kind of heads down on task cake I, I would say no we were definitely always you know keeping our eyes open right anything tech related yeah. got it okay so I, I would just love your thoughts on what's happening in esports mm. and uh and what's I don't know. And where do you think it's going? I'm fascinated with, with that whole world. And I think once VR catches up to it, we're going to be living in, we're going to live in, in the future for sure. So I'm just kind of curious, what are your thoughts on esports, and where do you think it's going? And um, are you involved with esports at all? Yeah, no, sure. It's really funny you just brought up VR because after YC, we were like, let's take a small break. We actually bought the Oculus Quest. And then Dion started designing like Tascade UX and mockups instead of Oculus Quest. And I think it was the, the brush paint or one of the paint apps in 3D. I thought that was hilarious and we like screen captured it. But we, we really do think that the way that gaming has evolved has always been like driving multiplayer and, and this idea of like lower latency forward, right? To bring people together no matter where you are. But with esports and with like the, the launch of League of Legends, for example, it really created this entire ecosystem of like people taking games seriously. Um, and I think that will continue on. It's just a matter of time where this becomes even more and more mainstream, I would say. Within VR itself though, I haven't seen anything that really took off when it comes to multiplayer, right? Within the VR ecosystem. But I, I do think that will change. Um, something that, that is watchable, right? As like entertainment. Um, but also in the VR realm. That would be really freaking insane. <laughs> and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I I personally am waiting for, well, not necessarily waiting, but working um, for the day where I amass some amount of wealth and then I will 100% open up a sandbox VR franchise in Phoenix, Arizona and, and, <laughs> and, and just kind of make, if I still live in Phoenix, and just make that the spot for VR esports if it's possible. I, I just I see Sandbox VR doing their thing and I just think it's so interesting. Um knowing the power of VR. Um I just uh, I'm really interested to see what's gonna happen in that. Not in the next five years, but more so in the next fifteen. I think in fifteen mm-hmm. years we're gonna have some really interesting stuff. And anyways, so you're maybe the seventh or eighth person non-coincidentally that's that's come onto the podcast that has this like interest in remote work the remote you know movement and i'm kind of just curious um, i don't think i've ever asked this before why is remote happening now and do you think and how far do you think it's gonna go 
Sure. I, I think for us, you know, when we started building Tascade, uh, even, you know, we, this, this whole movement actually didn't start really happening, right, back in early 2017, end of 2016. But for me personally, even during high school, when I was building my first company, my team was just like fully remote because I had to go to school. And I was running a business with people in Canada, in the US, in India, um, and using whatever technology possible in order to work with them. And at that time, I remember there was the Palm Pilot, then there was like the Blackberry, there was also like the Windows mobile phone, right? And it just technology was not there yet to make work possible and to make remote work and distributed work really possible. Um, that has been changing over the past few years. And perhaps Slack, you know, started this movement where people saw that there is a possibility. Um, but in the future, there's, to me, there, there's not going to be an extreme. I do think, like you said, it will be somewhere in the middle. There will always have some kind of balance when it comes to remote work and distributed teams. But I do think in the future that we would like to see for Task K, right, that Task K can become the or one of the operating systems for remote and distributed teams where it sits on all, your, all of your devices. Because, you know, with the right tools in hand, I, I do think that time zone differences, you know, countries, boundaries no longer really matter if you have the right tools in hand and the right devices too. And perhaps, you know, 10 years ago when I was building companies in college, the devices were not there yet, right? And now that has changed with iPhone, with, you know, all the Android devices out there. It's just so much more accessible. Um, so perhaps, yeah, I mean, mobile plays a huge, huge role in this. Um, not to say that desktop is going to die anytime soon, right? It's just that cross-platform is so important in today's age. And that's why when we designed Taskade early on, we weren't going to pitch Taskade as mobile first, just so investors would give me money. I believe really deeply in the, the idea of web as the technology moving forward. And we built Taskade on the web, and then we made it accessible on mobile because I know it's very impo important to be available across all devices. Um, but yeah, no, device and, and the fact that the future of work is going to be distributed and remote, it's not going to be stoppable. Um, but I do see it as more of like a balanced play, not one way or the other play. What do you see in the future of work that, that isn't being worked on today? And uh, um, what companies do you think need to exist to enable like the, the best future of work to exist tomorrow? Sure. I think from my perspective, it's always been that, you know, if you're going to sell and if you're going to build a product and to be competitive, you have more features, you've already lost, right? And, and to me, it's never about building something just based on features or the technology in itself. It's really about like, what problem can you help your end user solve? And the most successful companies that are solving problems for the future of work, of work are the ones that are actually helping customers create their own workflows or allowing them to really have the flexibility and understanding of being able to create their own workflows on your platform. Um, and not enough companies do that really well. And you've mentioned some of the tools you use like Zapier connecting with Airtable. Um, and that's a great example, but really most people that are outside of tech and startups are still not aware of the fact that they can actually create something with their own hands uh, with no coding knowledge. And, and I hate the term of like no code, but the, the idea is that, this should be accessible to people, right? Not just engineers, not just programmers. Everyone should have 
in their hands, the ability to create their own workflows, their own productivity systems, um, and to be able to really easily communicate, collaborate, like to, to me on any devices, like that's the future. Um, but execution is always incredibly hard and a communication in the sense of marketing, branding, like telling a story, uh, all of that has to be extremely clear, right, to the end user. And, and, and that's going to be, I think, what really draws a line between like people that are, are going to make the actual change to the future work and the ones that do not. Yeah. And I hope we will, you know, be at the forefront, of course. <laughs> I want to keep going down the, the realm of what you just mentioned. So you mentioned the no coding and people should be able to build what they want to build. And then it's just about execution. Is entrepreneurship going to get harder because there's more competition? Is it easier because there's more resources? Like, do you have any idea on when, when more people are building? Is that good or is that bad? <laughs> no, 100% it's good, right? Because when you look at, you know, back in the days of GeoCities, of AngelFire, like before there was Squarespace, before there's WordPress, people had to learn how to code HTML and CSS in order to create a single publication or a web page and publishing on the internet. And it really created this barrier for many people to be able to like actually, you know, publish anything or create anything on the World Wide Web. But right now, if you look at the future, having the tools in hand and giving it to more companies, more startups, more younger, you know, generations out there, um, who knows what they will create with these new tools. And I, I think that's kind of my, my thinking. And if we can create a tool that has crazy flexibility for them to build, to build it, it actually evolves beyond the concept of no code, right? Because they're able to take what they're given and create something entirely new, or they will be able to piece together things with these existing tools and create something entirely new. Um, and that's great for, I think, the, the ecosystem in general and for the next generation. And also thinking about small and medium-sized businesses, um, I'm always for that. And even with my first company back in high school, our best clients were the, the small size businesses that started with us, and then we were able to grow and scale with them as they grew. Right, their their online presence um, during the web hosting and server days, um, yeah, no, I, and I hope that that continues on with this trend. That's such a refreshing view. It's kind of the non-zero sum. Like everyone can have a piece of of the pie, which I which I totally agree with. So, a couple more questions for you. So, you 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 mentioned you started a company in high school. This is this is also. Uh, you know, a company that you're working on. I'd love to hear what have been some of the biggest things that you've learned along the journey, along the path of entrepreneurship? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think from just the experience of uh, doing YC this summer in a cell, I mean, that's the freshest memories I have right now. But, but you know, even when you think you've, you know everything, when it comes to product development, you suddenly still learn something new, right? And I think it's always important to, to be open-minded to learning. And when you're building a company, when you're building a startup, the most important thing is to work with people that you want to learn from as well as that, that you, you feel comfortable being essentially married to. Um, and to understand that you, you really don't have product market fit until you have either critical mass or just like really, really fast and mass adoption of your product. Um, and we knew that going into YC that we have a lot of work to do with Hescade. Um, so one of the first tasks that we were given was 
to know your customers. And I'm like, okay, I've been chatting with our customers every single day. I email them back and forth. No, actually talk to them, actually talk to them, get, get them on the phone and, and doing those things that don't scale. And I ended up doing, you know, over 30 customer interviews during YC. And surprisingly, people were willing to talk to me uh, without any incentive, without gift cards, without any of that. Our users, our Cascade users were willing to talk with me. Um, and we learned a ton, right, from just speaking to them. So, so looking back, I, I probably should have done more of that, even with my previous companies, um, when you're building products, when you're building services and, and all of those things. And then, and then I, I do want to stress the fact that you, you do want to get them on video conference, preferably, so you can see their face and have a conversation with them in real time and get their feedback, um, not just through emails and chat. <laughs> Why do you think that getting on a video chat with a customer is more valuable than an email? I, I totally agree, but this, it wasn't obvious when I first got in the game. What, what, what do you get from a video chat that you don't get even from a phone call or from an email? Yeah, sure. I think part of it was some of the, the things that the details you can pick off. And of course, there's also the emotional factor, right? You can really see in their eyes when they're really excited about something that you're telling them, or you can really see that they're, they might be disappointed that you got, you, you have not done this even after, you know, three months of them reporting a, an issue or whatnot. But also you're able to bounce things back and forth much faster when it comes to feedback on the roadmap, when it comes to how you can improve this workflow for them or how you can improve this process for, for their business um, on Taskade. And, doing those interviews in person, uh, I mean, over video really was incredibly different. Um, of course, it's harder to gather those data points and quantify it, right, and scale it. Um, but we will definitely continue to do that. Yeah, at least, you know, throughout the next year and two and, and, and make that part of the culture of the team. All right, I love it. And my last question for you is, you are an early stage founder of an early stage company. You could use all the help you can get. And we got a community of people listening that want to help startups. So if you have an ask for the community or something that you need help with that, you, that, you know, that, you know, however many people are listening, if they're able to help, they would help. What, what do you have as an ask for Cascade and for yourself? Sure. I, I, I would say, I mean, I guess just the shameless plug in the sense, same sense that just give Taskade a try, give it a spin. Um, always welcome critical feedback, right? Suggestions, ideas, and you can just send me an email at john at com. All right. You all heard it here first. John, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. Definitely love diving into future of work topics. I think about that stuff a little too much, so it's good to, to dive in with someone else. So thanks for coming on. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. It was great.